adversaries are relentless, and they're only getting smarter, faster, and more sophisticated. Knowing their game is the only way to beat them. That's why we're here. Learn what it takes to protect against even the most sophisticated attacks. Welcome to the Adversary Universe podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the CrowdStrike Adversary Universe podcast. Christian Rodriguez and Adam Myers joining you once again. Adam, how are you, sir? I'm great. How are you doing? You know what? I could use a little more caffeine today. A little juice. A little more juice. <laughs> exactly. I've been uh, I've been reading a lot. I've been reading a lot of, of correspondence uh, tied to some interesting activity coming out of Microsoft. And so today's episode, I think I'd like to spend a little time with you covering... Microsoft's recent announcements, you know, maybe going back to July 11th, uh, July 11th, there was a blog or two blogs that they released highlighting attackers that got access to um, basically Microsoft tokens for authentication. And then there's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of emails that were compromised. And there's just a lot of a lot happening. And I really want to get your take on, first and foremost, what have we seen historically from Microsoft with this type of activity, how they're addressing it, and what customers and enterprises should be concerned about when it comes to essentially what this what 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 Microsoft is calling Storm 0558, right? One of the actors responsible for this breach. I feel like they should call it Stormgate. Ooh. This isn't the uh this isn't the first time that they've had their cloud savaged and um but the, but this is definitely the same playbook. And so if yeah. you roll back to December of 2020, when the solar winds incident became public, that was really, I think, the first major intrusion of the Microsoft cloud, right? We've been dealing with vulnerabilities in Microsoft since, you know, it first came out. And uh, when we first started tracking vulnerabilities and exploits and things like that, in fact, last year, 1200 something vulnerabilities for Microsoft in 2022, I think Oof. 28 were O'Day, you know, so they got, they got a lot of, they got, they got a lot of product out there, you know, not to, not to dog on them completely. I, I like some of their products. I think PowerPoint is definitely the best, uh, like best PowerPoint. way to, to, to get your thoughts out there and uh, other than maybe a podcast. But, you know, if you go back to that, that solar winds incident, which, you know, I think really could have also been called the Microsoft incident because there were talk about how there was the Azure ADFS, the Azure uh, Federated Service, where connects the enterprise back up to the cloud, yeah. and organizations weren't protecting that server on the enterprise appropriately. And uh, by all accounts, you know, you kind of need to treat it with the same level of sensitivity as a domain controller. Yeah, exactly. But but they weren't, and so in that case, threat actor got access to cryptographic material and was able to use that to mint their own uh, OAuth tokens um and and saml tokens for what now is widely uh known as a golden saml attack yeah but that was the first one and then if you look back at the microsoft blogs you might need to go through the Wayback machine i don't know if they've kind of connected all the all the dots after the fact but back then i remember they kind of bled the information out pretty slowly and you would see a blog post and you know it was vague about there was you know an issue and a couple of customers were impacted but microsoft notified everybody and then there was another blog and it was kind of 
yeah, there was this big issue at SolarWinds. And also we found this little thing over here with our Azure cloud. And then another blog post a few weeks later where there was even more details. And, you know, after a couple of blog posts, they, they were kind of, they just dropped it as our source code was accessed by a threat actor, but mm -hmm. it's not a big deal. And everybody just kind of moved on and, and didn't really pay too much attention to it. And so, you know, on July 11th, July 12th, July 13th, I was talking to a lot of journalists who were asking me, what, what did I think about this? And where did I think this was going? And I said, and, and this was probably one of the few times I was able to predict the future accurately. I said, here's what's going to happen on Friday. Microsoft is going to release another blog post and that one will have some more technical details and they're going to do it on like a Friday afternoon so that they could kind of flush it into the the weekend news cycle and by Monday nobody will even notice or care that it came out and you know sure enough one o'clock Friday they drop another blog post with a little bit more technical details about what happened and so I think that is clearly their PR playbook when they have a big cloud issue and it's interesting because you know we could we'll, we'll get into I think the keys and what actually the technical merits of what happened were yeah. But the, you know, the fact is that PR playbook of we had an issue, let's, let's drip this information out until we get to Friday. We'll dump some technical details for the nerds on Friday. And then, you know, by Monday, Tuesday, we'll, we'll turn this back into a, we need more information sharing. We need better intelligence sharing in the community. And this is a community challenge and all, all of that narrative. And so it, it almost reminds me there's an always sunny in Philadelphia episode where there's uh the gang has this uh, this wolf cola incident and uh, and one of the characters is like, this is a 24 hour news cycle. So we just need to get through the next 24 hours and he gets a big clock out and starts the countdown. And I feel like that's kind of like what they were doing there. They're like, oh, yeah. let's just get to Friday. Let's just get to Friday. And then by next week, nobody will even remember. Yeah. No one will even realize that um, hundreds of thousands of accounts were, were compromised. Right. <laughs> Well, and you know, it's interesting because if you go back to that original blog post, I think they were talking about just 25 organizations, if I remember correctly. And that was kind of, people were kind of puzzled because nobody really understood what an MSA consumer key were or, or how that, that process worked or what it was even there for. And so 25 people, I remember, were kind of thinking, oh, you know, maybe this was all one server that got compromised that happened to have a bunch of critical government agencies and also think tanks and, and nonprofits associated with the same instance. And that that's what got compromised. But it became clear that that's just who the threat actor was targeting. And I think yeah. uh, all all fingers have been pointing back to China. But uh, to be to be fair, from an adversary universe perspective, I don't think that there's been enough details for us to even tie this back to a known threat actor. Interesting. The current blog from Microsoft states that they believe it's a China based threat actor. And I think the, it's, the activity itself began as far back as May of yeah. this year, of 2023. Mm -hmm. But still, I, you know, to your point, we have no official attribution for this for this group they're calling Storm 0558. Yeah, and, and Storm in their new nomenclature, right? They, they used to use the periodic table of elements, and then they realized that there were more threat actors than uh, elements yeah, in the universe <laughs> uh, that we know about. And uh, so then they moved over to this kind of Storm... Uh, based uh, system where they've got typhoon and and things like that but storm with a number is uh, very much what we call it an activity cluster at CrowdStrike. our friends at mandiant call call it an unk or or unknown um, so there's different there's different ways to kind of handle these clusters of activity that are are not 
fully tracked and uh, it's, you know, it, it's a necessity to have that while you're trying to figure it out because maybe it's a known threat actor, maybe it's an unknown threat actor, but you, you want like a holding bucket to put that in. And that's what that storm bucket is for Microsoft. Um, that said, they didn't find it, right? State Department found it. Big shout out to, to, my, to my friends at State Department too. Uh, used to used to work over there and um, they are, you know, on top of it. And I guess, you know, the other piece that we should talk about too is how did they find that, right? Mm-hmm. And so they were pulling the logs out of the Azure, the, the, the cloud-based uh, Microsoft uh, stuff because they recognize that, you know, if you've ever tried to pull logs out of uh, Azure, it's slow yeah, and yeah. Um, you can't always get the logs you want. Yep. So yep. I think that they were pulling those logs and kind of monitoring them. And oh. they saw these uh, these errant mail accesses that they were kind of like, hmm, why is why is this happening right now? And they were able to, to. And that's why if you look, um, there's uh, Microsoft in, in the you know days and, and weeks after that, they kind of they, they started saying that they would make this available. Yeah. On July 19th. Exactly. So July 19th, they expanded their cloud logging to all of their customers to, you know, I'm using air quotes now give them deeper security visibility. But I thought that was a a very timely response to an incident that they are claiming that they stopped, but only identified the attack in June uh, of 2023, realizing that the attack went all the way back in, in, in May. Right. So it was, it was late June and uh, you know, uh, Ron uh, Wyden, the Senator from Oregon had some choice quotes on that as well, where he kind of said, uh, it shouldn't have taken multiple disastrous hacks of federal <laughs> systems for Microsoft to make essential security features standard for government customers. Yeah. But better late than never. Better. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, okay, so that makes a lot of sense, right? Just just saying, hey, we're going to give every customer access to this logging, and you know, you guys should keep an eye on your on what's happening in your environment, right? Which I think is an interesting response. Again, even saying that they stopped uh, or successfully blocked the campaign. When the campaign was already successfully, ex- you know, being yeah, I don't, I don't so. think that you could say you blocked it after it was successful. Exactly, <laughs> exactly my point. Wow. Okay, so, so obviously huge. Let's talk about the impacted agencies and the implications of this, right? And and maybe get into. Let's start talking about the technical aspects of this attack because we're we're looking at uh, Microsoft in any event is disclosing roughly twenty five organizations that they've identified that were hit a lot of them being government agencies but within those 25 organizations we're talking we're talking thousands and thousands of accounts right that were compromised yeah i mean i i'm, I'm not sure what the actual details are i don't think that that was um released yeah yeah i don't think that was released to my knowledge yeah. uh but you know i think when microsoft put that blog post out on the 14th after the 11th right so the mm-hmm. tuesday was the 11th i think 14th was friday so they put out that extra blog post and they kind of started going into the details and the ttps and things like that yeah. um and and they didn't really try to explain how the threat actor got access to the microsoft account uh used to forge the authentication tokens for outlook web access online so uh, you know still seems like there's more to that story uh, which we haven't heard. Interesting. So let's then talk about um, the actual technical aspects of the attack, right? So we have the blogs that were released. The attack itself goes back all the way to May. Um, they released their uh, update on July 11th. I think it's their first blog. Their second blog comes out, out not too long after that. And they break down the technical aspect of the attack where 
it includes both their analysis that occurred on June 16th, where they were notified by a customer, to your point, of the anomalous activity within their exchange uh, online data access, and then their investigation starts. So um, I think towards the end of that write-up, they highlight uh, the use of this acquired signing material to forge, to forge that authentication. And you know the, the attacker ultimately had access to this massive exchange online data across multiple customers. And so I, I really want to get into what that impact is and, and just the concept of token forgery. So typically what happens is you authenticate to the service. And then once you've authenticated, they know who you are, then they want to give you that that token so that you don't have to authenticate every time you click on a new email or go to a new page. You know, simplistically, what happens is you prove who you are, right? You do your username, your password, your multi-factor authentication, most likely, hopefully. And then once that happens, they want to kind of mint you a token so that you have a session token available for you know, being able to access different things. And then depending on, you know, the, the configuration or the setup, you might have, say, OAuth involved um, and, and SAML to, to give your, you know, mobile email client access to it persistently as well. So this is, you know, in, in essence, kind of the once you're in and you verified who you are, they give you that kind of secret pass and then and you're good to go. I kind of, when I, when I talk about it, to try to simplify it, I, I kind of liken it to walking into a building where you give them your passport or your, your driver's license and that authenticates you. And then once you, you know, they have your information, they hand you back a temporary badge for that facility. And then you can walk around and you, you can do whatever you want to do. And then when you leave, you hand it back to them. It's, it's kind of like if they stole the printer that makes those temporary badges. Interesting. And for those of you not familiar with what an MSA is, by the way, and we're going to get into that. It's a, it's a allows you to create other accounts within uh, Microsoft uh, Azure AD or, or Active Directory. And so while they are saying that, uh, Microsoft is saying that the forged authentication tokens didn't give full access into Azure AD, there is an opportunity for once you get access to this MSA, right, you can, you know, start creating more persistence, right, and getting access into those systems and, you know, creating other accounts. Um, and so With to your email point, being the primary target. Exactly. In this case, it's email. And from my understanding, as of this, this podcast or this episode, the method or Microsoft is saying the method in which the actors acquired the key is still an ongoing investigation. Because either there was an OPSEC issue or there was a vulnerability that was exploited, but I haven't seen a CVE or anything thrown around. I mean, they, they started highlighting some of Storm uh, 0558's tradecraft and you know, just historically, they've been using phishing campaigns and, you know, they just gave a very high level of of their, you know, their tradecraft in and some of the TTPs that they've used. And so that was helpful to, you know, realize that they've used things like Chopper Web Shell and so forth. But with respect to how they gained access to these uh, to these keys and how they gained access to those tokens, that's still still to be released. And so, again, as of this episode, um, no further details on how that was how that access was was gained, but I'm sure I'm sure we'll hear a little more about that. Um, hopefully, within the next couple of weeks. Well, you know, I think that the main concern here is is this concept of using a monoculture or 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 one vendor for mm-hmm. all the things. And if you use that vendor for your operating system, for your productivity suite, for your cloud productivity and cloud email, and then you also use that same vendor for authentication. Azure IDP, 
and for your endpoint security and, and cloud security, you're putting all of your eggs in one basket. And in, I think in this case, particularly with Microsoft, it's a basket that has lots of holes in it, like mm-hmm. egg-shaped holes. So it's probably a, a big concern. And I think organizations you know, kind of have a choice where they either invest in security or they go for the value play. They go for the, the cheapest uh, option that's out there. So exit one basket, one vendor, tons of vulnerabilities. We see uh, we see this all the time. In fact, I wouldn't even ask you to name an adversary uh, or list the adversaries that are targeting Microsoft uh, vulnerabilities because it seems um, like most, if not all. But they are the biggest operating system and productivity suite vendor on the planet. Yeah. Right. So it makes sense that if you're looking for a vulnerability, that's going to get you the most return on investment. If you okay, so if you think about the concept then of this monoculture, right? I mean, that should be a national security issue. I think, yeah, this is clearly a national security issue. What's a what's the biggest question coming from media right now on this on this issue? You know, I think the, the first one is what what is this? You know, what is an MSA? <laughs> what <laughs> what is this, and how does it work? And and then the the other question a lot of journalists ask are: Is this a big deal? And you know, I, I think when a foreign nation state threat actor allegedly uh, has persistent access to sensitive emails related to government and government affiliated industries. That's, that's a huge issue. And so one of the things, you know, we were talking about and I, I kind of highlighted what um, director Easterly said back at CES in January, talking about having secure by design, but also security needs to be, easy to implement certainly shouldn't be impossible to implement and so organizations really need to be thinking about how to you know vendors particularly need to be thinking about how to build things securely and how to make security easy for people to do right not not requiring lots of complexity to it and you know that kind of fast forward i think what we've seen here is that this this indicates that there is you know not a lot of security and by the way if you're not adept at this, like State Department, and you're pulling the logs out and looking for anomalous access, then who knows how long this would have gone on for? This, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, for your customer to notify you that this is a, a big problem, I mean, this could have been a lot worse. Or, or to your point, maybe there is a lot happening in the background that we're not aware of that has yet to be disclosed, and you know, we're keeping an eye on this on this activity, and so. And I mean, Microsoft claims that this threat actor has been around for a while, that they've been tracking them and that they drop China Chopper web shell or they drop, you know, different tools out there. Yeah. So, you know, presumably they've been aware of this threat actor. And so for that threat actor to all of a sudden go from the, you know, kind of traditional phishing web shell, you know, malware into a, a incident like this, I think it shows that there was a gap in the knowledge on that threat actor. And I'm sure we'll have more to come to as we start tracking activity, but it seems that they're very Microsoft focused. And so we're keeping an eye on any additional activity that comes out of, again, the actor that's being labeled as Storm 0558. Yeah. And I'm very curious to see what else Microsoft has to say about this over the next coming weeks. We are keeping a close eye on additional updates from 
um, any enterprises that were impacted by this. I think that we have some really great telemetry that we're also tracking. Absolutely more to come uh, tracking this activity. And so I think this was a, a bit of a, of a last last minute episode we wanted to put together for our listeners. Special bonus episode. It is a special bonus episode. So if you have not read up on the activity with respect to Microsoft and Storm 0558, Stay safe out there. There's there's lots of threat actors and uh, make sure you do invest in security and get those layers in there so that you don't have have to explain to the board or or to the C-suite or to Congress what what had happened. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Adam. This is Adversary Universe podcast bonus episode. More to come on this activity. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you at the next one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to our podcast and head over to CrowdStrike.com forward slash adversaries to learn more about the many bad guys we track. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Adversary Universe podcast. This is the Adversary Universe podcast.